welcome to this week's sermon from C3 Church Narara. We hope you enjoy this message from Pastor Chris Brown. For more information or to contact us, visit c3church.narara.net. Ezekiel was a prophet who was uh, part of the exiles in Babylon 500 years before Jesus came and his book of prophecy is in the word filled with all kinds of imagery and analogies as he writes about God's promises for his people initially for Israel to return to Jerusalem and to worship in their homeland but he's also prophesying long term about a future heaven and God's kingdom that relates to us today. And when you get to chapter 47, he has this vision of God's temple with a river flowing from it. And just before this verse that you see up there, you get to verse 9, and maybe we have that coming up on the screen, and it says, this river will support all kinds of living creatures that will thrive abundantly wherever the river flows. There will be a great many fish because this water will flow from there and turn the salt water fresh. As a result, everything will live wherever the river flows. So in the Bible, rivers are often used to describe life. And, uh, and Bible commentators tell us that this river in this passage represents the life that comes to us through the gospel. And as the Holy Spirit flows to us, he brings spiritual regeneration so whenever someone opens their life to Christ they can experience abundant life like that verse says uh, uses the word thrive and this is of course in keeping with our theme a few verses later here's this verse from Ezekiel 47 the theme continues sorry verse uh, Ezekiel 47 verse 12 same chapter and it carries on with this theme and this is our key verse for our you know, Vision Builders program this year. And it says, Fruit trees of all kinds will grow on both banks of the river. Their leaves will not wither, nor will their fruit fail. Every month they will bear fruit because the water from the sanctuary flows to them. The sanctuary or the temple of God uh, coming from God, the water of life flowing to them, us, and their fruit will serve for food and their leaves for healing. So again, sort of deep, imagery uh, and and uh, like many other Bible passages, our life there, our life in God is presented or represented here in agricultural terms. So we're like trees or, or plants that are next to this river. And of course, trees, plants, depending on how you look after them, can shrivel up, can die, or they can just barely get by, or they can thrive they can flourish they can really uh do well um and uh, as i said this theme is right throughout the bible let me show you one more verse from the uh, book of psalms or a couple of verses verses 12 and 13 from psalm 92 it says the righteous thrive like a palm tree there we go the righteous thrive like a palm tree and grow like a cedar tree in lebanon planted in the house of the lord they thrive in the courts of our god you know, that, that is absolutely my understanding and experience of, of life. I've been, you know, here on earth for, you know, I'll be 60 next year. 
Um, I know, I know. Oh, well, oh you don't look at you. Okay. So, uh, but, uh, you know, I got born again when I was 15. So what's that, 45 years and 44 years or something. And, uh, and I've absolutely seen that, that people planted in the house of God flourish and thrive, regardless of circumstances, situations, talent, lack thereof, background, you know, job choice, income level, relationship. There's something about the touch of God on your life, the blessing of God, the life, that flow, that river of life that flows into us and through, through us. You know, when I was uh, 14, uh, or maybe even 13, I was probably starting when I was 13, I started working at my grandfather's nursery. I've talked about this, very successful nursery on the northern beaches of Sydney at the time, a lot of new houses going up all around Belrose, Davidson. Everyone was madly putting their gardens in and we were pumping every Saturday. It was a real happening thing. And of course, I learned a bit about plants and fertilisers. So we had all sorts of products. Uh, compost was a big deal. We'd have these bags of compost and we'd go through a lot of them. There was this huge stack which <laughs> young Jason made use of one day. He came in looking very hungover uh, there were guys in their late teens, early 20s, you know, and he, uh, he just, we, we lost him throughout the day, wondered where he was for some hours. It was a really busy day and he was quite the team leader and we're like, where's Jason, where's Jason? Well, they finally found him. He had fallen, he'd fallen asleep. He had gone to sleep it off in the stack of compost and built a wall of compost bags so that no one could find him. And it was all nice and warm, the heat generating from the compost, and it was quite soft and comfy. And so we never saw Jason after that uh, because my grandfather shot him. No, no, he just, uh, he, uh, he sacked him. Though my grandfather did shoot someone, um, that's another story. He's a tough old bloke uh, in, the, in the suburbs of Belrose. Well, he used to take, have I told you this story? Uh, so he was, he was a tough old bloke, really tough. He was, he was a warfie and an SP bookie and, you know, back in the 30s, 40s. But then he made his pile in the 50s, starting this nursery. Forest Way was a dirt road going along Bell Rose. Then it all took off all the suburbs. So throughout the 60s, 70s, by the time I started working there in the 70s, he was a millionaire, could have retired, but he just loved working. And uh, he would just uh, drive his bomby little ute down there. Uh, he had a... He had a Jaguar, had fancy cars, but he had this bomby old Hilux. It was just like yours, actually. Yeah, not quite as bomby as yours, but pretty bomby. No, yeah. so the bombier the better. Yeah, I'm just stirring here. Um, uh, anyway, so he'd drive his little ute down there, uh, get the neighbour's dog, who wasn't owned by him, but spent all day with him, so that old Susie, the fat Labrador, would get in the truck, go down, and he'd, uh, he'd do the day's work, be there early, open close every day, and he'd take, get all the takings in the Commonwealth bag, uh, Commonwealth Bank little calico bag, like bags of money. It was like I'm, thousands and thousands of dollars, all cash, few checks, you know, but no bank card. Oh, bank card came in, but, you know, it was mainly cash. And he just put it in the ute and go home. Well, of course, someone cottoned on and bashed him up one day and robbed him. So then, you know, there was talk about armour guard, security systems, someone else doing it. It's like, ah, it'll cost money. Waste some money. No one's going to buy it. Oh my God. What a bloody. And uh, so, so he got a shotgun. So, uh, true story. Uh, and so the word got out that old Mr. Brown, uh, you know, carries thousands of dollars cash with him. And he's, you know, in his probably early 70s, late 60s at this stage. And um, they thought, yeah, just, uh, well, the next guy, he 
made a mistake, didn't he? So uh, he came and um, I got a phone call. <laughs> we got a phone, my dad got a phone call. And I, you what? Oh, dad, really? <laughs> and he gets on the phone. I go, dad, what happened? He goes, oh, he, he shot someone. What? <laughs> He's, <laughs> we knew he got a shotgun because my dad had known about guns and all that. You know. So anyway, so this bloke had... He'd, got, he'd come to him and he'd grabbed the shotgun out of the ute and the bloke had changed his mind, took off, but he had a go at him on the way out. The police came round. He had a very good reputation in the community. He's well known, very generous, and the police just said, uh, Mr Brown, look, you, you know, if, it's, if, if, if you don't mind, could you maybe just not shoot people, you know, in the suburbs, you know, in the streets, you know? Anyway, so he's a funny character, but... Um, uh, oh, I say that to say this, not, not really, I, sorry, I don't know how I got on that. But anyway, look, back to the, the fer- oh, so Jason got the sack here, the fertiliser. Of course, we had Shirley's number 17, uh, which some of you may know, that's the classic lawn food, been around forever, and it was, these days, you can't buy it in a bigger bag than 20 kilos. Oh, but in the 70s, let me tell you, 50, cement was 40, Shirley's number 17 was 50 kilo bags. I know this because as a young 13, 14 year old, I wanted to emulate the tough guys who carried it on their right shoulder without a hand and then would flick it into the car boot. And I learned how to do that. And if you look carefully, you'll see this shoulder is quite a lot lower than that shoulder. (laughs) It's true, I could take my shirt off to prove it, but I'm guessing you don't want that. But to this day, I have permanent disfigurement from being, trying to be a tough kid. And so, uh, so see? See what I mean? You never noticed that before, did you? No, it's not quite that bad, but it's there. Anyway, so uh, Shirley's, Shirley's number 17. And, and bags of cement, lots of 40 kilo bags of cement, same thing. Anyway, we also had the general plant fertilisers. Aquasol, very popular. Osmocote was just coming in, slow release. And of course, Thrive. I don't know if you've used Thrive, but it's still available. You can see it, buy it in Bunnings. And I love that because Thrive makes plants thrive. It really makes the difference between a plant just getting by and a plant that thrives, that flourishes. So your azaleas are just popping with colour and your camellias are blooming and blossoming and your little seeds and your seedlings are really growing. And so, of course, in the same way, God wants you to thrive, just like getting that fertiliser on a plant that really makes it go well and to be fruitful in life, and to be flourishing in life, to be blessed in life, to be prosperous in life. That is God's will for us. And when you read the Gospels, you know, we've got some religious overtones over hundreds and thousands of years that has kind of shifted really what God promises and what Jesus said. If you read the Gospels, you will not find Jesus saying something like, yes, come to me, lay down your life, and then suck it up, it's going to be a boring, dry, dreary, difficult ride, but that's the price you pay to get to heaven. So sign up. You know, what does he say? John 10 verse 10. Yeah, you will have life, and you will have life more abundantly. Abundant life, life to the full. Or he could have said, you will thrive in life. And yes, John 16 verse 3, he says, in this world, you will have trouble. Yes, we know that. But take heart, I've overcome the world. And so regardless of the situation or the circumstances, there is always this life that flows from heaven into your heart through the Holy Spirit, thanks to Jesus, that helps us to thrive, helps us to succeed, to do well. And of course, it's not just a bed of roses, notice the nursery pun, but the, uh, you know, just the, 
the, uh, the roads can be, can be, you know, rocky and challenging and difficult. I understand that. I've been around and I know many of us, I look out and I could point out the stories. You might not all owe them, but, you know, we all, you know, Byron, would you like to get up and tell everyone? No, we'll keep that quiet. You know, oh, Jono, would you like to? No, no. But, you know, we've, we've all got situations that we might not have expected ah, and they can be tough, but we can still have that lifeblood of vitality that comes from God in us and flowing so we keep going. Um, because, you know, as we've discovered recently when we study the book of Philippians, Paul faced many challenges and hardships and he refers to them, but he also thrived because of his relationship with the Lord. And so, as I said, it doesn't mean circumstances will always be fine. It just means you've got the life of the Lord on the inside. And that's why Paul said to the Philippians, hey, rejoice in the Lord. I can, I am, you can too, and it's not based on your situation or your circumstances. Um, and notice in that verse, it says, "The fruit." look at the last bit, their fruit will be for food, their leaves for healing. Oh, doesn't the world need healing? You know, and, and spiritual sustenance, we need food. We, we get spiritual food from the Lord and, and we get healed of all kinds of ails and issues that life throws at us. And I don't, I don't just mean physical healing. There's a lot of emotional and mental health talk these days. You hear people talk all the time about mental health. And, uh, and, and rightly so, because people are messed up. They're upset, they're confused, they're, they're depressed, they, they turn, they need... People are talking about, I've got to have the right support networks or counselling or medication. What we really need is the Lord... Our healer, Jehovah Rapha, Jesus is the same yesterday, today and forever. So the healing that he brought into people's lives 2,000 years ago, he's still doing it. He'll do it for us and leaves for healing suggests that people take those leaves and maybe they're aloe vera leaves or some leaves that you boil and do something with or apply in some ways. So in other words, the healing isn't just for us, it's for the people in the world that we minister to. We carry God's presence. We carry Jesus in us, Jesus the healer. And so, if look, this is what it looks like. Any life that is going to be thriving in God is going to start with this relationship with the Lord like Paul had when we read in Philippians. And then there's going to be a number of attitudes and behaviours and, and, and habits or, or lifestyle habits that will be evident. So, for example, someone's thriving in the Lord, well, they want to pray uh, and be with God. They'll, they'll, we talked about this uh, yesterday morning with the men, just what does it mean to pray constantly, to just be aware of God's presence, to be carrying God's presence. There'll be a heart's desire for that. We'll have an aim in our life to... to to bring Jesus to the world, to shine his light, to share his love, to share our faith with other people. We'll want to um, uh, understand the word of God, to read and apply and obey the word of God. Uh, there'll be growth in our character where the Holy Spirit grows in us, grows fruit, and we become more Christ-like. Hopefully people will, in the same way, you, you end up wanting to serve God. You've got skills and, and you want actually to step into spiritual gifts as well and do something with your life for His glory. And this is exciting. It's all part of the journey. And in the material and financial realm, you want to be a good steward. You get this revelation that, oh, everything I earn and get isn't just for me. 
it's actually for the Lord. It's part of, it's a, it's a good tool. It's part of living for God, serving God, part of a life that's thriving. I'll actually be a good steward and that involves giving. And of course, that relates to us today in terms of giving to the Lord's house and his, and his work because when we give to God's work, then we step into this wonderful cycle of blessing. It's a cliche, but it's really true. Blessed to be a blessing. You've heard that. And it's definitely God's will. Not just, I'll have it all for myself, you know, mine, precious, you know, that's kind of that spirit of Gollum can get on us all, you know, whether it's the last Tim Tam or a business deal, you know, or it's like, ah, precious, you know, and you can, you can feel that coming up. In, you know. But then there's also the way of the Lord, the radical you know, different, and, and I loved what Craig said over communion, just about being so countercultural. You know, Jesus, Jesus was a revolutionary when he came to the world. And he's still revolutionising lives. Not just improving, not just tweaking, not just, oh, I'll go to church, oh, the music's, oh, I like that item, that was nice, coffee's good, you know, but I'm just going to do everything, I'm still, still mine, 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 mine. No, radical departure from that kind of mindset and lifestyle. No, it's just, it's all yours, Lord. I don't everything I have, it's not even mine. I'm just a steward. I'm just, wow. And so then we step into this place where God's blessing us and then we are a blessing and there's this great flow. And it can happen for everyone. Like it's not dependent on your income capacity or how good looking or your networks or your, God has turned lives around in all different ways, not just financially, but in many different ways. We haven't got time to look at it, but if you went back 10 chapters in Ezekiel, you get to chapter 37 and you get this famous wild passage about the dry bones. And he says, the Lord says to Ezekiel, hey, son of man, can these bones live? Ezekiel's smart. He's like, okay, I want to say, well, obviously not. What kind of a question is that? But I'm guessing that the Lord's got something to say here. So I'm just going to say, Lord, only you know. Good answer. Because you don't want to say, oh, yeah, of course they couldn't live. They're bones. They're dry. You know. You know, so you're not going to say that. You go, you tell me, Lord, you know, (laughs) you're the Lord. And God says, good answer. I tell you what they can. In fact, you breathe on them, bam, and they come back to life. It's crazy and wild. And that's a picture of what God can do in anyone's life. You're never too young, too old, too this, too that, not enough that, not enough. There's no situation that determines the power of God moving into our lives. And you want to get a hold of that, you know, because some of us have had dreams that have never come to pass. And again, maybe it's financial, maybe it's something else. Financial, look, talk talk to any middle-aged man who's been anywhere near the property market of Sydney and we have regrets. You know, you get get a coffee there and start talking to a 50-year-old bloke who grew up around Sydney. Oh, I wish I had... my grandfather owned half a flipping Belrose and then sold it all off. And anyway, don't let me, don't get me started, you know, because he bought. And oh, see, I'm I'm doing it myself. I didn't even need the coffee. Wait till wait till after we, you know. So there's a, there's we've all got regrets. You can get to 21 and have regrets, but you add another few decades. There's plenty of regrets, you know. But you deal with them and press into God, and bam, things can happen. Not miraculously you know, overnight necessarily, but miraculously over a period of time. Or maybe overnight. And again, not just financially. can be a relational thing. Just a, a, a broken relationship can be restored, can be healed. Healing in the body. We've seen people healed of 
cancers and all kinds of stuff, things, God can turn the situation around. He can help you thrive. He's been doing it for quite some time. <laughs> I love reading history and I see how God miraculously provides for his people or prospers someone beyond what was normal or divinely protects someone like this great story I came across recently. Pregnant pause, sorry. All right, here you go. I'll tell this story, 11.21. Not that I'm a clock watcher, though you couldn't really help not be a clock watcher if you're standing where I'm standing because Chris decided to get the biggest clock in the world. Maybe he was concerned that, you know, I was going overtime a little bit. It starts flashing orange and then red. And then it actually changes from numbers to shut up, stop now, please, please. No, it doesn't quite, but anyway. So you may have heard of D.L. Moody. D.L. Moody is a famous American evangelist in the 1800s. His offside, a good friend and brilliant singer was Ira Sankey. You may not have heard. I gave you a chance to say his name, so I guess you didn't know. Anyway, um, Sankey was a singer. And in the same way that we use music to help us appreciate the presence of God and it stirs the soul in evangelistic crusades, Billy Graham did it for years with, with come on. Yeah, someone said it. George Beverly Shay, yes, exactly, right? So their tradition was that you'd have this evangelist and then they'd have a, a, a signature singer who would, and they knew, uh, you know, the kind of anointing and atmosphere that they would want. And so Sankey used to do this. Uh, so he was famous for singing his songs um, of worship and hymns at these outreach crusades. Anyway, one day in 1875, he was on a steamboat he was recognised by some of the passengers and they asked him if he would sing one of his famous songs. And he said, look, I will sing for you, but I, I would like to sing someone else's hymn. And it contained the lyrics, we are yours, you befriend us, Lord be the guardian of our way. And so perhaps he chose that hymn because those words are a little uh, evangelistic. And he's in a public place and he, he, th he thought, oh, no, I want to sing this song because it's talking about God's sovereignty and guardianship over our lives. So he, he sang the song. When he finished, a man came over and said, did you ever serve in the Union Army? Now, this is referring to the American Civil War. It happened about a decade before. And, you know, the Union Army was the North uh, fighting against the South, the Confederates. He asked Sankey, did you serve in the Union Army? He said, yes, I did. And the man said, can you remember doing picket duty on a bright moonlight night, moonlit night in 1862? And he said, yes, I do. He said, well, so do I, because I was with the Confederates and I saw you standing in the moonlight and I thought, I will take this guy out right now. So I raised my musket, I took aim with the help of the moonlight and I had you in my sights, but you were singing the song that you just sang now. And that's what made him recognise this guy. And so I thought, well, he has a good voice, so I may as well let him finish the song before I finish him off. Good logic. Going to shoot him, but on the way out, it's a nice tune, you know. Some, <laughs> something to remember him by, you know. Uh, so you sang the song. The guy said... Um, 
But the song you sang was the one you sang just now and the words about God befriending us and protecting us stirred memories from my childhood and my God-fearing mother. She had sung that very song to me many times. So when you finished the song, it was impossible for me to shoot you. I thought the Lord is able to save this man from death, so the Lord must surely be great and mighty. What an incredible story. I, so Sankey wasn't shot dead that night when he would have been only 22 because I looked up when he was born and how. So he, he went for decades more serving the Lord and that man was born again because he had heard a song that his mother had sung that he heard that ministered to him and then had the benefit 10 years later of hearing it again and meeting the guy and telling the story. What a great story of God's protection and also an example of how the gospel is carried to people in all kinds of ways. When the Lord's on someone's case, he'll find a way, just that song that jigs the memory of the, you know. So back to this theme, you know, that we, we, we follow Jesus, we align our lives with God's plans and God's purposes when we do that, we move beyond the normal constraints of life. Normally, bang, he would have been dead. And we would never have heard of Ira Sankey, you know? And normally, etc. Example, example, example. That, you know, normally this would have happened to me, however, but for the Lord. Normally, this sickness would have, but God. Normally, that dream would have stayed buried, dead, but God comes and revitalizes. Normally, da, 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 but I'm thriving. You know, normally I would have just not wondered about, wondered about life aimlessly, but I discovered the Lord, I found him, I'm building his house and he's helping to build mine and look what we have, this beautiful family home because of our giving into the, God, the Lord's house. These are the sorts of things that happen. And so, uh, uh, you know, as we have referred to the Philippians, you know, a large part of their giving, as we mentioned last week, was partnering with Paul's ministry. And, uh, and as a result, they were the recipients of that great promise, my God will supply all your needs, according to his riches and glory. Of course, we don't have the opportunity to sow into Paul's ministry, but we do have the opportunity to build the local church. And that's what we are highlighting today and reminding ourselves of it. And let me just finish by saying this. One of the great joys of my life has been practically giving to churches and church buildings. When Ruth and I first met, she's off with the kids uh, this morning, but when we first met, we both had bought a chair in the early days of what is now C3 Oxford Falls. They had a program. We've got this great idea. We bought this block of land, Oxford Falls. We're going to build this big church. And we want, if everyone buys a chair, we'll pay for it. Because you're $3,000, sort of, you know, kind of, you don't get to take the chair home. You know what I'm saying? It's just you divvy it up. And that was the projection. And we were young and single and we both committed uh, and bought our, you know, contributed $3,000. Then we got married and, and committed to a 10 grand commitment over three years, which we were... Bible college students and young and poor. So I don't know, you know, it was a big deal. But, and then other churches we've given to, and this church we've given to, and I just have to say, it's been one of, I've, Tim referred to it, it's just a great uh, part of your life to be able to say, well, I was part of that. I've been part of that. I have some, some skin in the game, so to speak. You know, I got a, I got a sense of contribution and participation and satisfaction and result. I mean, football's nice to watch, but all you ex-footy players like me would say, 
It's not like the glory days when you were running. A friend of mine sent me a video of himself years and years ago, and he wasn't showing off because he wouldn't send it to everyone, but he just sent it to me. And he took this intercept ride. Someone had videoed it back in like the 80s, and, and uh, he did this wonderful run, full length of the field, scored, ah, you know, won the game and all that. Well, he couldn't be doing that now. We, we, we joked about it. Yeah, yeah, give me the ball and you know, wheel me down the oval, you know, and sort of. But there's nothing like playing as opposed to just watching. Participating is better than spectating, and we all have the opportunity to participate in what God does, both with our, our, our talents, uh, our, our gifts, but also with our, our finances. And so I encourage you, uh, expect God's best for your life. Let your faith rise to embrace all the promises of the Lord. Promises to save and heal and bless and direct and prosper and, and to thrive. Amen? And, uh, and let's engage with what God's doing and to give generously as he directs. Lord God, we thank you uh, for your life, the life that flows, the river of life that flows from heaven to earth, from your throne into our heart, from your heart from Lord Jesus, your great sacrifice that removed the barrier of sin between us and our Heavenly Father. And we thank you that we live with your life in us, regardless of circumstances, challenges, hurdles, problems, whatever, we will overcome. We will carry on. We thank you. Flow through us with your power, Lord God. We thank you for the opportunity to give to you, to your work, to your house and that you can all lead us and show us how we can participate in that. You'll bless us accordingly. Thank you, Lord, your touch. Everyone here. Amen. We hope you've enjoyed this week's sermon. For more information or to contact us, visit c3church.narara.net.